We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFP Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Trochi, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92. You can follow me at Bill Trochi. Keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and submit a brief review. That would be very helpful for us. Week nine is here. It's viewer's guide time. It's confidence contest time. It's going to be Trochi trivia time. But I think, Bill, first, the people, the listeners, they want an update on Grant Bender, their favorite youth uh, uh, football player in Ohio. How's the team doing? How's, how's the player doing? What's going on here? Hey, we got one week left. Uh, we won our game last week against uh, we playing Western Irish. It was a good game. He played a little bit of quarterback, a little bit of receiver. There you go. And, and uh, a little bit of safety and corner. So he played like all over the place. He had a good game. And we started fourth grade girls basketball last night with Bella. It's her 10th birthday today. So time goes quick. And uh, that team's going to be pretty good. I'm not worried about them at all. We're going to. You're you implementing the 94 foot press for these guys? No, we can't. We're not allowed to press until the final two minutes. They're only fourth graders. So uh, yeah, we we do. They're going to be good. That's going to be a fun group of girls to be around. So anytime you uh, get to coach there. So we're going to have fun, you know, and like I said, that the fact that I know when we get closer to the college football playoff rankings, that means basketball season starts for my kids. We'll get into that. It'll be a lot of fun, but he's got to finish football. They've got their quote unquote bowl game this week. Right. They're bowl bat. You told me they're bowl eligible. We're bowl eligible. We play on Saturday. Uh, his coaches have done, like I said, Coach Trevor and Coach Chris have done a fantastic job all year with him. So uh, we're super proud about St. Pius. We play St. Bridget. I mean, that's as big as Notre Dame Boston College in this circle, at oh, least boy. in this house. So uh, it'll be oh, a fun boy. game. Game. <laughs> good, 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 good. All right. Well, week nine, let's get into it. Uh, but first, we'll do our Trochi trivia focused on one of the two big games for the weekend. Let me call up my question here. It's pretty straight, straightforward and simple. Uh, when's the last time Georgia and Florida played on campus? Ooh. When's the last time Georgia and Florida played on campus? They've been playing basically in Jacksonville since 1933, except for one one year, home and home. So uh, we will uh, revisit that, see if you can remember at the end of the show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We will kick it off with the noon window this week. Week nine, number six, Oklahoma at Kansas. Noon on Fox. Oklahoma is a 10-point favorite. This is where most of the attention will be in that noon window. This is how we kick off our day. Kansas is uh, coming in off a loss to Oklahoma State, which they led in the fourth quarter. And it's hard to believe they're kind of under the radar. If they had held on there in the fourth quarter, they'd be 6-1 and one heading into this game. But they're out of the top 25 right now. Uh, yards per play defensively. OU's number two in the Big 12. Kansas is 12. That's the big difference between these two. They both have pretty good offenses. Uh, was What do you think about OU? Were they starting to feel the pressure of being undefeated last week and they kind of came out a little uh, underperformed a little bit against USC? I mean, UCF? <laughs> well, we did that ranking yesterday of how they should rank. According, you know, We talked about that on yesterday's podcast, and they would be number three by those metrics. And I like them a little more than Washington. And I think they would be a little bit behind Florida State. But they tightened up. Teams tighten up. And that's how you find out who the real playoff teams are. I mean, every team's going to get a scare in November. It's how they react to it. You know, Michigan got their scare last year from Illinois. Ohio State got it from Maryland in November. Uh, Oklahoma may have simply just got theirs early. In this matchup, I don't like anything about Kansas's defense. Uh, 160 yards on the ground. I think once you get Dylan Gabriel comfortable with that, he can do the rest through the air and big 12 games might be one score games, but I, I like the Sooners in this one. Yeah. I'm trying to remember last year's game. Kansas was rolling at that point. I think, right. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Kansas. No, Oklahoma got him 52. Yeah. Dylan Gabriel had a huge game, right? That was the beginning of Kansas kind of falling. falling they off. kind of fell off the radar after that a little bit, but I, yeah. it, it you know, Big 12 games are – Oklahoma got scared last week, and sometimes that can kind of wake you up coming off a of bye week. UCF yeah. obviously played them tough. They've had some gaps in their game, but uh, it's hard to pick against them here. So the other noon game worth paying attention to, I have, is South Carolina at Texas A&M. Noon on ESPN, Texas A&M, four and a half, uh, 14 and a half, uh, 14 point favorite. I uh, want to talk about the Jimbo watch. You did a story last week about his buyout and how things have been going. And, you know, there's a lot of negative stats out there about Jimbo Fisher right now. Since the start of 2021, the Aggies are only 10 and 13 against Power Five competition, two and three this season. They're in the fourth place in the West. It's just, you know, starting to pile up, and the, I know they're a 14-point favorite. They should win. South Carolina comes in 2-5. and five. They're 0-4 against ranked teams, 2-1 and one against unranked team, which the Aggies are unranked. Um, they're also 0-1 with Shane Beamer coaching with a broken foot <laughs> as they uh, lost to Mizzou last week in that game. They, he, he broke it the week before when they lost to Florida, kicking a Gatorade tub that was full of Gatorade or water or whatever it was. It didn't have enough give to it, Bill. So um, where do you stand on kind of Jimbo and, and after you researched stuff for that story last week? And then, you know, what's going on with South Carolina? Well, I think both teams are not. This is the part of the schedule where some of these SEC teams are going to go home unhappy. South Carolina has been a huge disappointment this year, defensively not being able to run the ball and kind of squandering – probably their most talented quarterback in 25 years and Spencer Rattler. This has been a brutal season for them. And I kind of agreed with Paul Feinbaum when Shane Beamer broke his foot. That's not controlling your emotions. Joking about it later is even worse. Uh, you know, you're the head coach. So 
I don't know. His his shtick is I don't I've talked to Shane and I enjoy him and I, I think he's done a good job kind of turning that program around. But this is a rough year and they're going to have to punch through it. I think there's obviously more heat on Texas A&M here trying to get to seven wins, trying to get to eight wins. They're not they're stuck with Jimbo. Like there's no way around this. We we talked about Gus Malzahn got a twenty one point five million dollar buyout. Jimbo would be around seventy five million. There's no it would be irresponsible to do that. It would I remember talking to the Knight Commission about this. Amy Perko, she's with the Knight Commission. I talked to her about this last year. That would have a trigger effect not just on Texas AM, but on college football as a whole, because a lot of people would be asked, what are we doing? That we're paying out somebody $75 million to not coach a football team. I'll take some of that money if Jimbo wants to give it to me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see that happening. Do you have a buyout for the uh, girls basketball team? That you, that you <laughs> oh, believe me, no. That is uh, all volunteer work. But uh, yeah, no, I, I mean. In this game, to me, it's, it's a story if Texas A&M loses. It's not really a big story if. South Carolina loses. I agree. And, and I think that's what we'll see happen. I think Texas A&M is going to win this football game. I think Texas A&M is going to get to a bowl game, a lower level bowl game. And the question with South Carolina, it's easier to dismiss. That's easier to put on page five, unless Shane Beamer says something in the press conference afterward. Or, or does something to his other foot, which we don't want, we don't want that to happen. Uh, all right. Afternoon window. Number one, Georgia against Florida, 330 CBS in Jacksonville. Georgia is a 14 and a half point favorite. Question, is Florida spunky? Are they for real? Like, I can't quite get a hold on them. They're five and two, three and one in the SEC. They're tied for second in the East, yet they're not ranked. Uh, They have five games left. Four of them are against ranked teams. So this is the meat of their schedule. Georgia. LSU, Florida State, and Missouri all left. Can they get two of those four and get to eight and four? What do you think? I think so. I think Billy Napier's kind of quieted the critics. And, you know, that Utah, the Kentucky loss was bad. The Utah loss, not bad. No. Just their disorganization in that loss was bad. But the loss itself, I mean, Utah could just as easily win the Pac 12. And I'm going to laugh if they do, because they could do it with a backup quarterback. And Kyle Whittingham is, I, I was on Sirius with a couple of friends of the podcast, Jacob Hester and Bobby Carpenter. And I said, I defy you to tell me who a better coach than Kyle Whittingham is. There's not, there's not, I mean, like who, who does this all the time. Uh, but to the point, what to watch in this game. Another question I've got all week is, what is Georgia's offense going to look like with Brock Bowers? And I could press the recorder and give you this answer <laughs> is they're going to run the ball more this weekend because Florida and their two losses gave up 217 rushing yards between the Kentucky and Utah losses average of 217 yards. So I think Georgia gets back to the running game, tries to bull throw them like that a little bit, gets a turnover, gets rolling. Now I don't probably appreciate this rivalry for what it is growing up in big 10 country, but as I've done this job, I, Make it a point to watch this game. You can see the heat. It's it's in that Oklahoma Texas vein. It's it's really fun to watch. This does stick out to me. It has for over the years. It's one of the chippiest mm-hmm. games during the game. Players are just extra trash talk, extra pushing after the whistle. There's a lot of that in this game. I don't know why. I don't. Oh, I do. I think. Either, yeah. Either particularly plays like that the rest of the year necessarily, but they certainly play this way in Jacksonville. I think it's a high school thing. I think it's because a lot of these kids were recruited from Florida that play in Georgia and vice versa. These are two of the best high school states in the country. They know each other. I know there's a dynamic with that with Georgia and Tennessee, but it's right on that line. It's it's just a beautiful college football rivalry. I did, And you're right. They get chippy. I mean, it always goes back to the Urban Meyer Georgia game where Georgia brought the whole team out on the field when they scored. Um, Mark Richt. Mark, Mark Richt. Richt and, and Urban Meyer were the coaches. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, Ur- yeah. Urban was on the other side saying it was the worst thing that ever happened in the history of football or whatever. But uh, <laughs> that stuff is amazing. As long as it doesn't cross over into you know, a tunnel fight. But yeah, that, it'll be chippy. And I think Florida will come out and play pretty hard. But still like that Georgia team in the game. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Carson Beck, he's fifth-rated passer in the SEC. Graham Mertz is sixth. So the passing games are along the same lines, but you're right. I think Georgia has the stronger running game, and they will try to lean into that. This has been a one-score game only once in the last nine years. Although the series in that time, it's only 5-4 Georgia. Right. I mean, they've lost a couple, and then yeah. toward the end of the Rick era, it wasn't good. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, the spread looks a little high. But, again... But typically, it hasn't been that close. Like, the winner, right. that, the winner that's wins the, the game. Yeah. Right. So, we will see. Anyway, okay. Uh, moving on, speaking of Kyle Whittingham, number eight, Oregon. At number 13, Utah, 330 Fox. Oregon is a six-and-a-half-point favorite game day. Will be in Salt Lake City. Utah, very impressive win last week in Los Angeles over USC. Came back in the final minute to win the game. Uh, it's their fourth win in three years against USC. Uh, they have an 18 game home win streak. Florida's part of that 18 game home win streak. QB Bryson Barnes coming off his best game of the year. Oregon. Busted out the sweetest of uniforms last week that they have, I think, in their in their vast arsenal in their win over Washington State. Uh, won pretty easily. Shook off the depo- disappointment from the Washington loss. Better than I thought they would. They didn't quite cover the spread, but the spread was like 20. They played well. And uh, this is a really, really interesting game. I'm not confident in predicting a direction for this one. It won't be in my confidence contest. It's, uh, you know... The one thing I'm confident is Utah's not going to blow them out. Utah might win close. Oregon might win close. Oregon might blow them out. That's the only thing I could say for sure. I don't think Utah will blow them out, which means Utah will blow them out, I guess. No, I mean, it'll be a good game. And the winner of this game, these are the last four Pac-12 champions. As much as we like Washington, I mean, Utah gets it done on the line of scrimmage with a midseason All-American. Ellis, uh, Kyle Whittingham, I talked about him. They did allow 6.3 yards per carry against USC last week, and that's a concern against Oregon, who, as much as we talk about Bo Nix, their running game is pretty good. I love Bucky Irving, man. He is fun. But that's – can they go into Utah and win? You mentioned that win streak at home. I mean, that qualifies – that stadium is one of the toughest places to play in the country, and we'll see. I mean, it's entirely possible to me that the winner of this game wins the Pac-12. Because, I mean, that's the track record it is. Now, Utah still has to play Washington. Oregon would have to go through Washington or, you know, somebody else it, it, in order to win that Pac-12 championship. I still think Oregon is the most. It's a bloodbath, man. It's one of those yeah. matches that they have yeah. all the wrestlers in all at the same time. That's the month of November. From here on in the Pac-12, it's just going to be a rumble royal. I know, and I think Oregon's the most capable team of reaching the playoff because they're balanced. They just have that hit. If not for some really dumb fourth-down decision-making, they would have probably beat Washington. So, I mean, we can't harp on that anymore. It's a huge game, and they could just as easily be eliminated on Saturday because Utah's a tough place to play. It's going to be a fun game. Who did you pick? Because I think the spread's high, but I'm not willing to. What did I put? I put Oregon wins 29-26 to but fails to cover the spread. Like, I'm not... I'm not. I thought it was a little high, but yeah, I'm not taking a six point underdog at you. If you're giving me Utah at home plus five point five, I'm taking that all day, right? Yeah. And I'll be taking that very shortly. That will be a really fun one. <laughs> Another three thirty game to keep an eye on, as reminded in our editorial meeting by Micah uh, Micah Adams, number twenty Duke, proud Blue Devil there, number twenty Duke at number eighteen Louisville, three thirty ESPN. Louisville is a four-point favorite. This game really gives the winner a nice path, a little inside track to the ACC championship game, assuming Florida State's in the top spot. We're looking for that second spot. Uh, The race for number two is right now between these two and North Carolina pretty much. Duke will play Carolina later in the season. Louisville will not. Uh, Neither team, neither of these two teams have Florida State left. Um, Duke, of course, lost at Florida State. Last week, Riley Leonard left the game in the third quarter, hurt his ankle again. He was begging to go in, and he was kind of running on the sideline. He looked like he was okay. Elko would not put him in, uh, which, you know, props to Elko because he probably could have thrown him out there, especially the backup quarterback was not playing great. 
and the game got away from them. He said, Riley Leonard is day to day. He said that on Monday morning. So I'm assuming he comes back based on how he was moving on the sidelines Saturday night. And then Elko not necessarily saying it was more serious than it looked or anything like that. So I'm hoping he plays. Obviously, Duke fans are hoping he plays. Louisville's coming off a bye week after their loss to Pitt that ended their undefeated season. Ugly loss. Feels like uh, feels like an accurate spread if Leonard plays. Maybe he should be higher if he doesn't. Right, and I don't, you know, even with him unhealthy, uh, Louisville averages, allows less than 100 yards per game on the ground. Pretty good run defense. Had that bye week. ACC games are unpredictable. I mean... Andrea and Dave will tell you that over at ESPN. They do a great job covering the ESPN. They always, I always read their tweets when one of these upsets happen. And, you know, whether it's Andrea or uh, Dave, they'll tell you stuff happens. I mean, if you've covered this conference long enough, you've seen it. So, I mean, it'll be an exciting game. I, Riley Leonard, obviously, got to be healthy. I think Louisville wins. Um, they are still in that ACC hunt. The, the margin for error is down a little bit, but I like them at home. Coming off a buy, especially. Yep. Yep. Okay, let's move into the evening window. Kick it off at 7 o'clock ESPN. That's going to be number 21, Tennessee at Kentucky. Tennessee is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Tennessee has really owned this series. They've won 8 out of 10. They've covered 8 out of 10. They won by 38 points last year. Uh, The Vols looked really good in the first half against Alabama, and they looked not so good in the second half against Alabama. Uh, Things sort of fell apart. Will we see first half Tennessee or second half Tennessee at Kentucky? What do you think? Well, it's going to be a fun game because these two are more even. Last time they played in Kentucky, uh, I think it was a three-point game. Tennessee won. Tennessee's offense has given Kentucky some trouble. I think Tennessee – Gets the running game going. I've talked about their running game every week. Didn't happen last week. Joe Milton actually wasn't bad against Alabama. They got off to a fast start. He did. They squandered that lead. Uh, tough place to play. I mean, for Kentucky, it's where's that program at? They've had a couple tough losses. You know, they, they got drilled by Georgia. They got beat by Missouri. Are they up for this challenge against the school? I mean, this is always a measuring stick game for them because – what does the pecking order of that SEC East really look like? You mentioned Florida's gotten better. What's it look like behind Georgia? I still think Missouri is the second best team. I think I said this either on this show or one of the other shows I went on this week that of the remaining games for Georgia, I think Missouri is their toughest game, and uh, which is a little bit of a slight to Tennessee. So I think Tennessee wins this game. Um, it'll be close, but but it's not all Joe Milton. I mean, last week their defense kind of let them down. Final note on this one, Tennessee dating back to last year has lost four of their last five on the road. They had a chance to break their long losing streak against Florida. Couldn't do it. Alabama long losing streak. Couldn't do it. Now we'll see what they do against Kentucky. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. 7.30 ABC. Welcome back, Dion, Colorado at number 24, UCLA. UCLA is a 17-point favorite. UCLA has an interesting QB situation brewing. Chip Kelly benched freshman Dante Moore for uh, Ethan Garbers against Stanford, and Bruins won 42-7 with Garbers. He was 20 for 28, 240 uh, with two touchdowns and 51 yards rushing. 
Chip has not named a starter against Colorado. He insists he has three Power 5 level starters uh, in Moore, Garbers, and Colin Schlee. Colorado, I think they know who's starting at QB, right? Um, they've they've had two weeks to stew over blowing a 29-point lead to Stanford. In overtime, Travis Hunter and Dion were at the Nuggets-Lakers game last night, and they had pretty good seats. How'd they get those seats, Bill? Oh, I mean, you know, uh, the Michigan guys gave it to them. The, <laughs> the, they, they gave it to them to spy on the Lakers. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Right. That was a good joke. I just didn't that deliver was- it properly. Um <laughs> Colorado. Check Colin Stallion's uh, right. over Well, <laughs> so the the prime time is in prime time, and they're up against Ohio State. That's a good transition to that. I want to see how these TV ratings do. That we we know Colorado's what, four and three, mm-hmm. and still trying to get bull eligible. They've got one more, I think, win on that schedule, maybe. So. We do the bull projections every week. I don't have them in a bull game right now. They need a game like this to do that. UCLA is pretty good. Watch them just kind of dismantle Stanford last week with Garbers in there and with that running game with Carson Steele and with a pretty tough defense. Uh, Bruce Feldman had a pretty good feature about that UCLA defense a couple weeks ago. And I think the Bruins win this game. It's just a matter of the, the drama is always, does Colorado keep it close? And it really, the ratings game this weekend is, it's an interesting bet. I mean, will Colorado keep it closer against UCLA or our next game, which we're going to talk about in a second? Will the Badgers at home in Madtown jump around, keep it close against the Buckeyes coming off, the Buckeyes coming off an emotional win? So uh, I, that's the one that will win the ratings war. Yeah, it is. That is a very good, very good point. Good one to keep an eye on. I mean, Colorado has been 20-point dogs or in that neighborhood several times, and they've jumped up and made good games, covered the spread. They beat TCU, I think, as a 17-point dog or something like that, and that's what the spread is this week. Uh, I, the UCLA quarterback thing kind of baffles me a little bit, but he made the change, and, and Garbers did great. Now, that's Stanford, and again, Colorado doesn't have a great defense either. So I'm not sure it matters who starts, but the whole Dante Moore, like it's weird dynamic and will he transfer? Will he not transfer? Like he wants, he wanted to play and he won the job and he, they have had a pretty good season. He's made his mistakes, but I think I thought Jake was just going to let him grow into the job. And then they were set next year for it. Now it's just, I don't know. It's kind of weird, but I mean, Kind of marches to his own beat, right? Yeah, Chip Kelly doesn't care what we think. I, I've learned that over the years. He's going to do the things the way he does it. If you question it, he'll just tell you, that's not your team. <laughs> you know, and he's won a lot of football games doing that. It is an interesting decision. Um, UCLA is good, like I said, good football team, good defense. They are. That should be entertaining. I That'll be on my second TV, though. I'm going to have the, the other game that we're going to talk about on the first TV. The other game, number three, Ohio State at Wisconsin, 730 on NBC. NBC's going from Notre Dame in the afternoon to Ohio State in the evening. Nice little doubleheader for them in their first year of expanding beyond Notre Dame football. Ohio State, 14.5-point favorite, so a little – less than UCLA over Colorado. Uh, Not sure there is a letdown factor here because I feel like Ohio State wasn't overly celebratory after the win over Penn State. You were in Columbus. Did you get that sense that it was kind of like, well, we expected to win and we did win and we didn't play great, so we're not going to storm the field or anything like that? Like it was just a solid win. We're ready to move on. Yeah, they're going to Madtown and – Madison's not an easy place to play in the Big Ten. So this is a they didn't have much time to celebrate. And there's going to be some underlying Luke Fickle nar- storylines, narratives going into this game. I go all the way back to Big Ten Media Day and Luke Fickle, a you know, former Ohio State defensive lineman, Columbus kid, uh, interim coach for a year, assistant coach. His whole life is at Ohio State. And he's now Wisconsin's coach. And they asked him about this game and he said he would not allow himself to think about it at the time. And there's a very small faction, but a faction of Ohio State fans that if for some reason Ohio State would lose to Michigan this year, they would want Luke Fickle. They would want Ryan Day out and they'd want Luke Fickle. I, I, these are conversations I hear, believe me. And they're not <laughs> good ones, 
because Ryan Day's not going anywhere. But that that's a little bit of a pressure point because if Wisconsin were to win this game in Luke Fickle's first game, it, it would be huge. Now, are they going to do that? Probably not. Braden Locke, you're asking a lot of a quarterback making his second start to go up against a, a the Buckeyes defense is legit. It's national championship good. Their offense is not yet, but their defense is national championship good. And, you know, I joke around with you and Elliot, our, our boss, about, you know, wake me up when Penn State beats them. That's why. Like, I, I, I need to see Penn State do it. I've seen Michigan do it. I, ha- I haven't seen Penn State do it yet. And the, there's a little bit of a – you could get caught in Madtown and it could get weird at night, so they're going to have to have a good start. But I think Wisconsin will have a good start, and it'll be a four-quarter game. I think I saw the athletic maybe tease a story. They did a Luke Fickle feature this morning and the tease was Luke Fickle did not start fights when he was at Ohio state, but he ended them. So he was a uh, beloved linebacker there. And yeah, like you said, he's got tons of ties. It's going to be interesting. I mean, Wisconsin, they're five and two. It doesn't feel like they're five and two. They came back. At Illinois, they drove for the winning score late. They went 83 yards in 14 plays and threw the winning touchdown to an eligible offensive lineman. Straight out of the Big Wet, Big Ten West playbook, right? Did you, did you know that Army has more passing yards per game than Iowa right now? I mean, the Big Ten West, some of these Big Ten offenses are embarrassing. So for all the sign-stealing jokes going around, I mean, what sign are you stealing? Like the, uh, an incomplete pass? It's ridiculous. Um, you mentioned Fickle, though. He, you talk to people. I tell people this story all the time. In Central Ohio, he was one. If the Big Ten coaches got in a wrestling match, he would win. He's like one of the best high school wrestlers in this state's history. And if they all got and they had to do a wrestling tournament, I'm taking Luke Fickle. Now, am I taking him to win this game? Probably not. I think Ohio <laughs> State's got a couple good wrestlers at linebacker themselves like Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. So, um, yeah, but it's still a fun game. I mean, you just never know Madison at night. That's a place that Ohio State fans, they know they're going to have to come and play a good good football game. Right. It was was supposed to be interesting last year in Columbus. and uh, It was not. 52-21, you had a front row seat to that one. It was over. It was over in the fourth I remember I was sitting next to Cameron Teague, Robinson, athletic high state writer. And I said, I can start writing. It was like 10 plays in. I was like, this one's over. Um, and it was. So it'll be on Wisconsin to change that for sure. Right. All right. Well, let's move on to our confidence contest. We pick five games against the spread. Any five games we want. Uh, we give assigned point values. Five to the game we're most confident in. Four, three, two, one. I went three and two last week and tallied up 10 points. You went two and three, tallied up seven points. We both got our five pointers. I had Washington State and you had Ohio State. So the season tally, Trochi 57, Bender 51. Bender, I had two winless weeks and I'm still beating you. What do do you have to say for yourself? Come on. Well, I mean, you know, I got screwed on the uh, Air Force Navy game. Oh, my gosh, did you ever. Let's refresh the audience for that one. I mean, they were a 10-and-a-half or 10-point favorite. Ten-and-a-half. So I was was winning all Navy. Navy, first of all, there was a 94-yard touchdown pass in that game, which never happens, and on a wheel route. And then Navy drives down, down 17-0, takes it down, scores a touchdown. All you have to do is kick the extra point. There's they 50 for, seconds left in the game. They, they have were, no chance to get within one score. Right. They went for two for some reason, and they didn't get it. So, I mean, 17 to 8, I don't – That was a tough loss for you. Yeah, so me. so that's why I'm down six. I'd be down two I, otherwise, I think. I felt so, your pain on that one. I definitely I'm all right. I'm, I'm in good shape. Now, I have several different games I kind of scattered around. I just – uh. You know, so I'll start five pointer for this week. I we both agree this is a tough week. It is, these are weird picks. I'm gonna go against my better job. I have the five I want, I'm just gonna do some game time decisions here. Um, BYU 17 and a half dog at Texas, new quarterback. Mm -hmm. We didn't talk about that all week. That Quinn Ewers is out with a shoulder sprain, they'll go with Malik Murphy. Um, 
Arch Manning has not taken a snap this year for our listeners. So with the fascination, but the fascination on chart beat and web pages on him remains very high. Uh, but I like BYU to cover that one. I think, you know, Texas has played some one score games. BYU's hung in most of their games. They haven't gotten, they got crushed one time, I think. And on the road, new quarterback against a team that's going to be confident and fired up. Last time BYU went in there, all, every Texas fan knows they got destroyed in 2000, I think it was 14. So this BYU team won't be scared to play there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Good pick. I like that one. I skipped over that one. I'm going with Nebraska minus two and a half at home against Purdue. Nebraska's won two straight. They are number 26 in scoring defense right now. Purdue's basically had one good game this year against Illinois. They're outside the top 100 in scoring offense and scoring defense. Nebraska doesn't score much, but they can win low-scoring games, spread two and a half. Basically, all they have to do is win. So I think they make it three straight and uh, beat Purdue. So Nebraska minus 2.5. Yeah, that was my next one. Really? So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I was peeking at a couple of these. I was going to put my Bobcats versus Miami in this four spot, but no, I was uh, – here's one thing. I'm pulling this up really quickly. Um Nebraska's had this is was a terrible game for Nebraska over the years. You know, Purdue's won four of the last five. Mm. So I hate to say this, like, because Nebraska fans are probably embarrassed. This is a measuring stick game for them. Scott Frost had a nightmare with this team. I remember Bo Pelini getting beat by this team, and, and the scores are bad. Uh 42-28 in 2018, 55-45 in 2015, 43-37. Those were against Purdue teams that could score, though. This one can't really score. Last year they scored. Yeah, but I know. That's what I'm saying. That's why Nebraska, I think this is an underrated go beat Purdue, dude. Go go beat Purdue. Go to a bowl game. I liked what Matt Rule said about sign stealing this week. He said everybody does it. Put the the speaker in the helmet. He had probably the best take. Him and Dion had the best takes on that whole thing. Um, So I'm going to give Matt Rule the benefit of the doubt. Huskers minus two and a half. I'll take that all day. Yeah, I liked what Dion said too. He said you can have the whole playbook in football, and he speaks of someone that played football and someone that played baseball. He's like, if I know a curveball is coming, I'm going to light you up. He said I could have the whole playbook, but when we were on San Francisco trying to defend the Cowboys and they were running an Emmett Smith sweep, we still couldn't stop him. He's still going to tackle him. So I mean, I liked what he rule said about. You know, I was saying this to you earlier in the week. Let's play football the way it's meant to be played. Put the speaker in the helmet. Let's go. Go ahead. All right. Number four, I'm taking Minnesota minus seven at home against Michigan State. This is a pick against Michigan State more than endorsing Minnesota necessarily. Everyone tends to look bad against Iowa like Minnesota did last week. But I think the Spartans... They really tried to rally themselves at least a little bit last week and put everything into the Michigan game, and they came out with a 49 nothing loss. I would guess they'll have even less energy on the road at Minnesota this week. Minnesota's still only a game out of first place in the Big Ten West. They've got something to play for and potentially, what, a tryout game for P.J. Fleck in front of the Michigan State brass? Michigan State, that was awful last week. From top to bottom, from the, and we, and I, I don't know if we get allowed to talk about this on the podcast. Embarrassment on the jumbotron. Let's just yeah. put it that way. That's mm-hmm. embarrassing. Uh, I don't want to. I don't like talking about Adolf Hitler. I, there, I said it. They put an Adolf Hitler picture on the jumbotron, and how stupid is that? Well, on top of a question, where was he born? Yeah, what like, country was he born? Unbelievably dumb to do that in the environment we're living in today. Uh, any day, any day, honestly. Any day. So, um, but they, they, I think Colton Pouncey tweeted this during the game is like about that they they released a statement apologizing for that while losing forty two nothing to their rival at home. Doesn't get much lower than that for Michigan State with an interim coach on the sideline who was fired from his ninety. Yeah, I mean, contract. they they need to f- hire somebody. They need somebody like Mark D'Antonio from. 
15 years ago to steady that program because it's a mess up there in East Lansing too. There's a lot of messes in the Big Ten right now. That's what I'm I, saying. The P.J. Fleck situation is interesting across the uh, across the field this week. Yeah, it was uh, – um, yeah, they're they're embarrassing like right now. So hopefully they find the, the right coach because uh, I thought they would cover. I thought there was a little fight in their program, but I was wrong. I had that on one of my picks last week. Uh, my three is going to be Georgia 14 and a half. And this is the risky pick of the bunch. I don't love it, but I still think them coming off a week hearing, how are they going to um, play without Brock Bowers? I said how they're going to play. I think they're going to run the football and, and reestablish themselves. Like you said, this game hasn't been particularly close the last few years. And, uh, I could be wrong there, but I, I like the Bulldogs. I also like what Kirby Smart said about the sign stealing this week, where he just said, I don't think we detected that when we played Michigan a few years ago. That was like the uh, the humble brag or whatever, the savage moment, the troll, whatever you want to call it. Dude, Kirby doesn't care about that stuff. Um, Did you see the video from yesterday, though, that they got of, of Stallions on the sideline against Ohio State? Last yeah, but didn't we, didn't we already talk about this where I said – I, I told Bobby Carpenter about this. I said, if you're going to call a play off a sandwich board, I'm taking your sign. And I know what went on in that video is good work by 10 TV, by the way. Um, and you see stallions whispered in, but if you're going to do that, why would I not steal your sign? I, I despise that part of the game where they run up to the line of scrimmage. Everybody gets set. They pop up. Then they go look at the sandwich board. And then it says, you know, uh, Taylor Swift, ice cream, jet fighter. <laughs> and then I'm calling up. If I can steal that, I'm thousand percent doing it. I'm sorry. And that's what I was saying about Matt rule, where he said, you put the speaker in the helmet, you've got your quarterback going up. He has three plays. He sees the safety, put, you know, one foot back and single high safety, and then he can change the play. That's adult football, Bill. That's all I want is adult football. Instead of ice cream, Taylor Swift, uh, <laughs> Jet fighter man, and then four coaches going like this. That's it's not it's JV stuff. Yeah, it's funny. I well, I was fortunate to go down and talk to Charlie Ward a couple weeks ago about a story we're working on for December, and he told me that they would run a guy into the huddle, and it would be a run play and a pass play, and then he'd break the huddle, and then he decided. Charlie decided looking at the defense, whether they were going to do the running play or the passing play. That was when he was a senior and he was more experienced or whatever. But, yeah, there were no sandwich boards back in the day. I'm taking your signs all day if you're going to do that. And I'm not feeling bad about it in the least bit. All right, back to the picks. My three-pointer, Virginia Tech. I'm going Thursday night. Virginia Tech at home. I like the Thursday night home home favorite in this case. Virginia Tech minus three against Syracuse. Syracuse has been non-competitive in three straight games. They won four in a row to start the season. They've gotten blown out by Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State. Three good teams, but still they're heading in the wrong direction. Virginia Tech has won two out of three with one loss, was at Florida, and it was 22-17 in the third quarter. They played them pretty well. Quarterback Kyron Drones has been solid as a runner and a passer since he took over. Uh, Two teams going in different directions. It would be crazy to think if Virginia Tech wins this game, they'll be three and one in the ACC and kind of in the mix, right? With Duke and Louisville and UNC, at least at least temporarily. Yeah, that never, like I said, never a dull moment, especially when they used to have divisions. Uh, yeah, standing the ACC, I'll go Louisville minus four. Uh, you know, Riley Leonard playing or not, I, I think at home with that defense, um, Cardinals been pretty good in the one score games. Yeah, the pick game's bad, but that's. Like I said, in the ACC, every every game, every team has that little asterisk. And because you're getting a little bit of value, because I think if Louisville's going to win, they're going to win by about a touchdown. And Duke doesn't get blown out. Last week was the first time they did. Love that program. Love what Mike – there's the Michigan State coach, by the way. If they want to get serious, they go hire Mike Elko. Huge swing game for us. Duke plus four. There you go. <laughs> Nice. Well, the opposite, the opposite. So my case for Duke, after you made the good case for Louisville, cross first of all, crossing my fingers, Ryan Riley Leonard plays, stay today. But I, I just 
especially watching that Florida State game and, of course, against Notre Dame. Duke's legit good. They're not fake good or lucky good. They're they're a good team. It's hard to get past the Duke on the helmet. You know, Louisville caught lightning in a bottle against Notre Dame. I don't think they're as good as they were that night. That was that was their ceiling. They're decent, but they're flawed here with year one with Jeff Brom. I, I love Duke's defense. They hung with Florida State for three quarters, basically until Leonard went down. They were in control of that game in the first half. Uh, it's an afternoon game. Crowd won't be as bourboned up as they were against Notre Dame. I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the points. I really like Duke's defense. And but if, I mean, if Leonard doesn't play, this is a bad pick. But I'm gonna take the points, thinking he's gonna play. Yep. And then my last one, I'm gonna do. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. I mean, Utah. If I'm getting six and a half, I'm taking it. And that's the the latest. I mean, Utah plus six and a half. They can lose the game, but I'm still taking six and a half at home with a team with that kind of winning streak at home. And like I said, Kyle Whittingham deserves all the credit in the world. He was chill after they beat USC too. He was just, yeah, you know, Bryson stepped in and again, <laughs> you know, did it. Yeah, you know, he made some tough plays. He next man up and all those cliches that we love so much as writers. But I mean, they they not a coach that just proves people wrong quietly more than Kyle Whittingham. Yeah, that's a good pick because the coaching edge certainly points to the red and the white and not the green and the yellow. I mean, Dillingham still learning on the job, so to speak. My one-pointer is going to be Pitt getting 20-and-a-half at Notre Dame. That line ballooned up, too. I don't trust the Notre Dame defense. Oh, offense, sorry. The Notre Dame offense. They scored 14 against Ohio State, 20 against Duke, 20 against Louisville. They had 48 points against USC, but that was all special teams and defense. They had four three and outs that night against one of the worst defenses in the country. USC is a train wreck on defense. Notre Dame had maybe one impressive drive of the night. And so their offense is not fixed. The defense and special teams and the celebration and shutting down Caleb Williams and everything masked what's been a problem for a month. And just 20, I think they'll win, but I think 20 and a half is really high for an offense that is struggling. And one final note on this game in this series, Notre Dame's five and two in their last seven in South Bend against Pitt. Four of those five wins were by less than 10 points. The other was 17, so they have not beaten Pitt by more than 21 points in a very long time in South Bend. It's just too many points. Notre Dame wins just maybe by 10 or so. They're not going to – that's just too many for me. So That's quite a bit, and Pat gets the Panthers up when they go to South Bend. They've they've had some blowout losses, not the ones in South Bend. So that's I've thought about that one, and that line's blown up a little bit. But um, – I don't know. I think Notre Dame coming off a of bye week, they should be all right. So good pick. Otherwise, uh, you know, classic old, kind of an old rivalry with Pitt. Not not a not as well known as others, but they, like I said, Narduzzi gets them up when they go to South Bend. They normally play pretty well. They have, they have. So all right, before we get out of here, Trochi trivia, trivia answer, or trivia I, I don't, I don't know. So I'm going to guess. When's um, the last? Time that uh, Georgia and Florida played on campus. 1980 and 81. That's just a guess. I, I don't know. Okay, so that is incorrect. In uh, so it's been in Jacksonville since 1933. There's a two-year stretch where they did a home and home when the Jacksonville Municipal Stadium or whatever it was called oh. was being renovated to get ready for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They had to make updates to the stadium to make it NFL ready. So it was 1994 and 1995. So the answer to the question is 1995. Game was in Athens. Uh, Gators and Steve Spurrier hung half a hundred on the dogs for the first time in Athens in history, 52 to 17, threw a touchdown with 110 left in the game to get it to 50. And his quote after the game, classic Steve Spurrier, are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. It wasn't that big of a deal at the time because Georgia people had already left the stadium. Oh, that's the Ray Goff era. My favorite, one of my favorite Spurrier stories was they was either before the '94 or '95 season. They said, you know, the reporter said something to the effect of, you know, Ray, Ray Goff said this, this, and this about Georgia going and Florida going into this season, and Spurrier's response was, "Does he still coach there?" 
<laughs> Amazing. I'll take the Spurrier playbook, the fourth grade Coba basketball here in Central Ohio. But uh, no, he he's the best, and we need more of that in the sport. Trust me. So there you go. So, all right. Well, thank you to everyone. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the CFB Nation All-America podcast brought to you by Twisted Tea on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. We will be back next week for some more shows. Wake, wrap up this week nine. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.